All right, we are, if you've got a Bible, let's go to Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, you're new to the scriptures, a uh, couple great apps you could download, uh, YouVersion, uh, Bible Hub's another great app, and that's our daily devotion is found on YouVersion, and if you don't get that, you can sign up for it on the next step card. We'll make sure you, the, the daily devotion goes right along with the, with the message. So this year, our word for the year is inconvenient faith, that convenient Christianity is the enemy of your soul. And so this year, we're looking at our eight core practices and, and how these practices, they don't save us, but they help us to stay on track. They, they help us keep our passion alive. They, they help us to grow in our faith. But this year, these eight practices, we're actually calling them the eight inconvenient practices. So we've been looking at them uh, over the course of this year, and right now, we're on the core practice of sharing Christ or as we're calling this series, Inconvenient Sharing. And sharing Jesus is, is inconvenient. It's not, it's not easy. In fact, many times we've made it, I think, more difficult than it should be. And at Core Church, if you're new, uh, we take the difficult out of it. It's not as hard as you think to share Jesus. You don't have to have a theological degree. You don't have to have gone to Bible college. You don't have to, you just have to love Jesus. That's all you have to do. And there's three things to remember. These are the three ways, if you wonder, how do I share my faith? Here they are. Intercede, invest, inform. That's it. Intercede, invest, inform. Pray for people, then do good, and then look for, and, and look for opportunities to share your faith. Most of the time, the reason we're so intimidated by sharing our faith is because we have it flipped on its head. I start with inform. I've got to get out and I've got to save some people in Jesus' name. I've got to tell them about the risen Savior. Do you know? Do you know the King? Don't do that. Don't do that. But we start with inform, and that's why we're so intimidated. And once we've informed people, then we think, okay, now, now that they know, now i got to be nice to them. Now, because they know I'm a Christian, and i got to be nice, and then, oh, maybe I should be praying for them. And we do that last. We need to flip that around. It's start by prayer, praying for people, your neighbors, your coworkers. And me say, I don't know if they're saved, and just pray for them until you find out. And then look for opportunities, like being generous. Just look for those opportunities, and then when the time is right, share about Jesus. So we're looking at kind of, we're focusing in on that invest part, that, that doing good. And we're using uh, Galatians 5, and 23 as our template that says the, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Say this with me. What is it? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So today we are talking about patience and sharing Patience. Have you ever thought about that before? Like, how in the world can I share patience? That doesn't make any sense. Let's look at Paul's letter to the Romans. If you're new to Scripture, Paul was not one of the disciples. He came to faith after Jesus' death and resurrection. And he is the whole reason he started churches all around the world. He's the whole reason we gather today. Thank you, Paul, because he took the faith outside of the Jews and took it to those who were not Jewish and he went and started churches all over the world. One of them was the church in Rome and so he wrote this letter to the church in Rome. So if you got a Bible, Romans chapter five and I read out of the New Living Translation, start in verse three. He says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. In other words, they, they help us to, to have patience 
And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. Amen? Amen. Three of you got that. Amen? Amen. Are you with me? Amen? Amen? Okay. For we know how dearly God loves us. Do you know how much God loves you? All of my lack of faith, all of my doubt, and all of my fear all come from a lack of understanding of God's love for me. Because when you really, really know how much he loves you, you go, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. For we know how much God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So let's talk about this. Talk about sharing patience. Pray again with me. God, as we open the scriptures here for a few moments, would you help us to hear from you to understand what patience is all about, how we can share that with tangibly with those around us. Thanks for your presence here today in Jesus' name. And once again, will you say amen? amen. Well, no, none of us like to wait, do we? I, nobody likes to wait. Uh, any, any kind of delay will test your patience, will it not? Laura and I, uh, about a week and a half ago, we flew back from Guatemala. We landed in Houston, and when we landed in Houston, we had a dreaded layover. Yeah, four-hour layover. I think they should call it a lay down because that's what you want to do. Lay down, take a nap. We had to find something to do for four hours in the airport. I can tell you people, there's only so many Hudson News places you can go into in four hours. Only so many magazines and books that you can, you can look at. And what I love about my wife is, you know, they're all way overpriced at the airport, aren't they? So what does my wife do? She goes in and she just plants her butt on the ground, sits down in front of the magazines. I ain't making this up. And she just starts going through them, just start looking at them. She goes, I got like three and a half hours left. I haven't done yet. And she's just like, look, I'm like, honey, this is not the library, okay? <laughs> so we get about 30 minutes out from boarding, and I get a ding on my phone. And I look down, and it says, your flight has been delayed. 30-minute delay. We can handle that. It's not that big a deal. Flight's supposed to leave at 9 that night. But we can handle another 30-minute delay. We're going to get right in Tulsa, go home, go to bed. 30 minutes go by, ding, another, another notification. Flight has been delayed another 30 minutes. At this point, I'm like, huh, what's going on? What's happening? So I make my way to the gate. Along with 250 other people, we converge on the flight employee, you know, the, the airline employee. And we're all, all asking the same question, why? Why is this happening to me? And come to find out, she said, um, there's no pilot. To which I took a step back and I was like, cool, I, <laughs> we can wait. <laughs> That's fine, you know, no flight attendant. I don't need a snack, you know. I, I don't need a little pretzel bag. I'm good with that, but pilot, kind of important. We'll wait on him. That's good. So we waited. Ding! Another delay. Another delay. Another delay. It's now 11.30. Getting a little cranky. Getting a little impatient. Everybody's getting a little bit on edge and waiting on this pilot. And off in the distance, we see someone walking towards us. 
And they've got on an airline employee uniform. We're all like looking, who is it? Is it him? Is it him? You know, it's like the triumphal entry, people. We're laying down palm branches. We're like, yeah, come on, baby. He comes walking up and I'm like, oh my goodness, I certainly hope this is not our pilot. He looks like he just got off his shift at Auntie Anne's. (laughs) I'm like, no offense, but I don't think I want the guy from Auntie Anne's flying my plane. I mean, I... I don't want to look up in the cockpit and see somebody in a hairnet. That's not what I'm, what I'm looking for. I love me some Auntie Anne's, but so we're waiting and we're waiting. It's now 1230 and the flight gets canceled. Now we're scrambling to see where we're going to stay, what we're going to do. And I mean, it's uh, testing our patience. But the truth is, it's not just delays and flight cancellations that test our patience. People test our patience, don't they? Like get in traffic right now, get on 169, anywhere between 71st and 91st. Come on, people. Your patience is being tested in that moment. Listen, you send out a a wonderful text to Alfonseca and he ghosts you. It takes 10 seconds to send a text back, Al. 10 seconds, that's it. Hey, thanks for texting me, Brad. Good to hear from you. I don't even think that took 10 seconds. You ever had some of you text them and they, they don't text you? Yeah, you ever, um, like you ever be at the grocery store and you get behind somebody that's browsing? Who browses at the grocery store? Like you get there moving slow and you're like, Just, I got my list. If you're gonna go to the grocery store, make a list, people. Divide, conquer, and get out of the way of the rest of us if you wanna browse. So it just it doesn't matter. Laura, we, were, we finally got on our flight. The next day, we get into Tulsa, and, and, you know, the flight etiquette is that the people in the row in front of you leave first, right? I mean, you just wait patiently. Person in front of you goes. Some dude from the back decides he's going to beat everybody out of the plane. He's got his big old bag, and he's banging his way through the rows. Laura sees him, not kidding you. She goes, shoves her booty right out there, and they say, uh-uh. You did. You can look at me like that, but you did. She, she had the nerve to tell me I was doing that for other people. <laughs> Man. Your patience, though, is, is going to get tested. Sometimes it's much bigger, though, isn't it? Sometimes it's, it's, it's your patience is being tested in your home. Uh, by, by your kids or by your parents or, 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 or by, or by, by your, your spouse. You're just upside down and things are not what they should be. And, and you say, I don't know how much longer I can handle this. Your, test, your, your, your patience can be tested at work. It can be tested at, at school. It can be tested uh, so many di- different places that our patience is. Your, your patience can be tested by unanswered prayer. God, do you not hear me? Do you not see what I'm doing? Do you not see that I'm in church today? Do you not see I've been claiming all of your promises? I'm trying to do my best, but yet there is a a delay. The thing I want all of us to be aware of is this. People are watching you. People are watching you, and they're watching to see how you are handling the delays and the struggles and the setbacks and the heartache and the loss and the difficulties and the patient endurance. They're watching to see how you're going to handle that. Your, your family, your parents, your kids 
are watching you. Your spouse is watching you. Your friends are watching you. The people on your campus are, are watching you. Your neighbors are what your coworkers, your complete strangers are watching to see, will you patiently endure? How are you handling it? So I want you to write this down. This is a question I want us to wrestle with and we'll wrestle with it for a few minutes here, but I want you to really kind of take this question with you this week. Do people see Christ in my crisis? Do people see Christ in my crisis? So here in Romans 5, Paul helps us to to gain a a deeper understanding of what, what patience really is. Verse three, again, he says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us, say it with me, they what? Develop endurance. Say it with me again, what? Develop endurance. Write this down. God uses the problems I face to teach me the patience I need. God uses the problems that I face to teach me the patience that I need. Everybody experiences problems and trials, don't they? There's a reason why Paul's writing this. He ain't writing it just a bunch of ticked off Romans. What's funny is we read the scriptures and we think everybody in the scriptures had it all together. There's a reason why Paul put this in the word is because guess what? Even a few thousand years ago, they had problems and they had trials. Everybody has them, but not everybody goes through them the same way. When we were at the airport and we were experiencing this delay, I was so shocked and surprised how well everybody, I was like, man, I am so proud of people from Tulsa because we were all headed and that was where it was going to land. Everybody's going to get off the plane at Tulsa. And I was like, man, good on Oklahoma people being so kind, so considerate, except for one guy. He was about mid sixties, goes up and berates the airline employee just launches into it. And when he does this, it's made, it made everybody else around very uncomfortable and on edge. That's what you need to remember, by the way, when you lose your patience. It puts people on edge. It, it makes, makes people un, uncomfortable. But, but so often, we're either, we have no self-awareness, we're not even aware we're doing it, or we just don't care. You ever been there? I have, I don't care. I'm going to let them have it because you feel justified. I'm justified to act this way. And this is, I think, one of the reasons why Paul says rejoice when you run into problems and trials because people are watching. They're watching to see how you're going to respond in that moment. And they want to know this. I wonder if their faith is genuine and real. They're watching you to see, is this Jesus that they preach? Is this Jesus they talk about? This life of being a Christian, is, is, is it real? Is it, is it genuine? Take, if you're taking notes, write this down. When I, when I lose my patience, when I lose my patience, it gives people a reason to doubt my faith. When I lose my patience, it gives people a reason to doubt my faith. We've all seen, quote unquote, Christians who've been a poor representation of Jesus, haven't we? 
I mean, they, they, they kind of lose it a little bit, lose their cool at work or at school or, or in the neighborhood or, or on the ball field going off on a ref or an umpire or another coach or another parent. And you're like, oh man, I wish people didn't know that they were a Christian. Why did they tell everybody that they're a Christian? Making me look bad. You know, you, you know those people like you're at work, you're like, why did they tell? Because they are such a poor representation of Jesus. Like people, it's like in traffic right now, man. You see this around on 169, people like, they, they don't merge. They're just, I'm going all the way to the front. And then they want to butt their way in too. You know what I'm talking about? And they're just going to get, I'm going to get my way in. And finally you got to let them in. And then on the back of their windshield is what? A church bumper sticker. Y'all wonder why we don't have core church bumper stickers? Because I, I know y'all. I know how y'all act. I know how y'all drive. Do people see Christ in my crisis? Because the truth is we've all been that person. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, I, I've been that person. I've, I've been that person. We, we've all been that person and can I tell you this, when that happens, something simple that I think you need, because you're going to blow it. You're, gonna, you're, you're not going to be perfect. You're, you're going to miss it. And the best thing you can do in that moment is simply apologize. And when you apologize, don't say, I'm sorry, because I'm sorry is really more, I'm sorry that inconvenienced you. I'm sorry you took that wrong. Uh, I'm sorry you misunderstood. The best thing as a follower of Jesus you can say, and this is the tough one, will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? I, I, countless times, my kids growing up, I was right, I was justified, what they were doing was wrong, and I let them have it. Because my, my voice is kind of my weapon, I'm loud, and I can be loud, and I can use it that way, and, I, and, and there would be times where I'd be like, I just would let them have it, because what they were doing was wrong. But the way that I handled it and the way I responded was also wrong. And so many times I vividly remember going in and I would just sit on their bed with them and I'd say, hey, your dad was wrong. Will you forgive me? I'm not, not proud of those moments and those things that I did, but I am proud and grateful to my God who made me aware of that in those moments that I can look back on those moments and I always went to my kids seeking restitution and forgiveness. And you, you gotta do that with your classmates and your coworkers and your neighbors and your friends and even, even that complete stranger. Paul says to rejoice, rejoice when you run into problems and trials. In other words, to choose joy. Uh, my good friend Jeff Henson a few weeks ago talked about sharing joy. He did an incredible job on that. If you missed it, go back and listen to it. It's on our YouTube page. But what Paul says here, he, he doesn't say rejoice because you have problems and trials. He actually is saying rejoice in your problems and your trials. In other words, when you find yourself in a place that's testing your patience, look for the good. Just look for the good. Write this down. Pessimism is a patience killer. 
Pessimism is a patience killer. And in other words, when you start getting negative, when you start seeing all that's wrong, when you start getting pessimistic, it will kill your patience. You gotta fight, you gotta look for the good. I, and sometimes it's the most ridiculous good that you're gonna find. Something good is happening in that moment. Like when we were having our flight delayed, one of the things I was kind of bummed about was it was during game six of the NBA finals and I wanted to see that game. And I can see by the look on all of your faces, you're with me. You're like, yes, Brad, the NBA Finals, I'm with you. Is that basketball? What is that? <laughs> Doesn't matter. It was important to me. I, I wondered, and I was kind of bummed. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be on a plane. I'm not going to see the game. And I was like, oh, my goodness, now that the flight has been delayed, here's the good. I get to watch the game. So I went and sat at a, a bar. It was the only TV on that late. And don't judge me, people. <laughs> And, and, I, and I, got to, I got to watch the game. You got you to look for the good. I, I've said many times from this platform that I, I have a um, gratitude journal. I get up every single day and I write down my high five. Five good things from the day before. I don't care how bad the day was. I don't care how difficult it was. I don't care what happened. And some days it's really hard to find something I'm grateful for but I will write down five things because I don't want to get pessimistic. I always want to be optimistic and I also want to be trusting God. And I want to patiently endure. When at the end of my day today, I will go and right before I go to bed, you all know this, if you come regularly, I kneel by the side of my bed, no matter what the day has been like, no matter how hard it's been, no matter the difficulty or the trial or the setback, I will rehearse my day. I'll go back over my day and I will think only, only of the good things God has done in this day. Now do the, do the negative thing. Yeah, yeah, the negative comes in, the, the, the struggle comes in. Nope, that's not what this prayer time is about. This is about me thanking Jesus for another day, no matter how hard it is. We see this in Acts chapter 16. Paul gives us a great example in his own life. He's with a, a buddy, Paul and Silas, and they, they get arrested and they are thrown into prison. Uh, this is such an incredible example of patient endurance and why you can't go through it alone. It is tough to patiently endure alone. You can't do it. This is why you need a core group. This is why we talk about being in a core group. If you're not in a core group, you gotta get into a core group because Paul and Silas, they patiently endured together. You have somebody beside you to encourage you, to help you, to walk with you. Um, get, let me pull back the curtain just a little bit and give you some inside scoop, okay? You'd be glad you came on this Sunday. I, um, I had them run a list of the people. Let me back up and say this. The pandemic was devastating, if your patience was ever tested, if you were ever going to endure in your relationship with Jesus or other people, it has been tested like no other generation because we'd come out of it and then we were back in it. Then we come out of it and we go back in it. And there's all kinds of junk that went along with that those past, these past two years. But as we come out the, the other side of it, I asked our team, I said, I want, you to, I want you to give me a list of every single person who was a regular attender of Core Church that is no longer here. And they printed that list off for me. And I got that list and I started looking through that list of all, all of the people that, that were here, came regularly, showed up on a Sunday, regular part of our congregation two years ago, before the pandemic ever hit. 
And here's the people that are gone. And I began to look at this list and there was this commonality that kind of came out of this list. Overwhelming. 90%, 90% of the people who were here before the pandemic but are not here now were not in a core group. 90%. What that says to me is you cannot patiently endure alone. You gotta have somebody by your side. That's why you need to be in a core group. That's why you need to be doing life with people because you will be able to endure anything and everything because of the relationships in your life. So here's Paul and Silas and they're in prison and it's about midnight and, and instead of whining and complaining, which they have every reason to do that, they're in prison. And instead of that, it says that they are praising God in the middle of the prison and some circumstances and some things unfold and the jailer is watching them. He knows who Paul is. He knows he declares a, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's heard about Paul. Everybody knew about Paul. And now Paul's in his prison. And now he's at his lowest point And he's watching him praise in that moment. And the jailer sees that. And because the jailer sees that, the jailer comes to Paul and says, hey, what do I got to do to be saved? What do I got to do to get what you got? This is what will happen to you when you praise in the prison, when, when you continue to focus on the good despite how bad it is. People are watching, and they will come to you and never be like, I know you just have such a positive attitude. You have such a good attitude. Like, I know what's happening in your life, but you just continue to persevere. They're going to come to you. I think one of the greatest witnesses you can ever have is a crisis because God sees that. And he will equip you and he will help you in every crisis. Somebody say rejoice. Rejoice. Do people see Christ in your crisis? Verse 4, Paul says, uh, an endurance develops what? Say it with me. Strength of character. Listen, I don't know about you, but I don't need no more character development, Paul. What I need is for this to be over. Right? <laughs> I'm, I'm good on the character front, but it, this is interesting. God uses adversity to reveal the strengths and the weaknesses of your character. So I was, we were standing there waiting on our flight, delay after delay after delay after delay. And I vividly remember saying to Laura, man, I, I just can't believe how I'm handling this. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm calm, I'm okay, I'm rolling with it. I'm actually trying to help some other people understand what's, what's happening, what's going on, and just trying to do it. And I was like, this is not Brad. The, the old Brad, she's been married to me for, for three decades. The old Brad, <laughs> he wasn't like that, okay? It, the old Brad was out for me. The old Brad was like, I, all right, you're gonna get me on a plane. I mean, I just what. And I was like, man, I was, and I was, I was truly thanking God. Wow, God, you're showing me in this moment how far I've come. And then there was the hotel shuttle. So the flight gets canceled. It's 1230 at night. 
We finally get down to where the hotel shuttles come. It's 1 a.m. There's nobody basically in the airport at this point, except the 250 people trying to get to Tulsa. Laura and I are one of the first in lines for the hotel shuttle, and, and, uh, and, and, I, and it's not coming. It's not coming. It's, and the line is growing, and the line is growing. More and more people are getting their vouchers, you know, because that really helps a lot, doesn't it? I got a voucher. This is great. I'm happy now. They give you a voucher, and I'm mean, like, we were going to stay at the Super 8, which isn't that super, people. We're in the line, and the line's growing, and people are, are, are getting there. And so I see the shuttle coming, and the shuttle is it's a, it's, it's a 15-passenger van. A 15-passenger van, and there are just, I don't know, ants. People are everywhere. And I'm like, oh, man. And I kid you not, as soon as that thing started rolling in, even before it stopped, I swung around the backside of that bumper, came over to the door, didn't even wait for the guy to open the door. Swung the door open, jumped in like this, held the seat and said, come on, baby. I didn't even know where Laura was. She was way back in the crowd somewhere. And she's like, I'm over here. I'm over here. Keep coming. You can do it. Come on, baby. And I get it. And so this one guy gets in and he starts to jump into the front seat. And I say, oh, no. Uh-uh. That's for my wife. You get back in there. And she comes in. We get in. We sit down in the van. And the guy shuts the door. And I was like, oh, we did it. We got a seat. And the van started to pull away. And that's when God started working on me. And he actually, what I heard him saying, this conversation that we were having, I sensed God just kind of saying, you know, Brad, you, you really have come a long way. But you still got a long way to go. Because all you did in that moment was think about yourself. And there were other people. And what I wanted you to do, Brad, was to step aside and look for people that needed to be on that van. Brad, does it matter if you get to bed at 1.30, 2.30, or 3.30 at this point? It doesn't matter. I'm like, no, God, it doesn't matter. I wish they could have just backed that van up and I could have got off and let somebody else have my seat. This is what God will do, though, in moments of adversity. He will reveal to you the strengths and the weaknesses of our character. Peter, who struggled with this more than probably any other apostle, with patience. In 2 Peter 1.3, he said, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. In other words, what Peter is saying is Christ-like character can only be formed in us by Christ. That this is why it's a fruit of the, it's a fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience. <laughs> it's a fruit of the Spirit. God is the one who produces it in us by his power. Uh, Peter goes on to say in verse 8, the more you grow like this, in other words, the more that you grow in patience, say it with me, the more productive and useful you will be. Man, isn't it great that we can be useful, not useless? I mean, God wants to use you. He's looking for people of character. He's looking for people who display strong character in the middle of crisis because people are watching. Do they see Christ in my crisis? Back to Paul's letter in Romans 5, and he says in verse 4, the second part of verse 4, he says, and character strengthens our what? Say it with me. Confident hope 
of salvation. Your confident hope of salvation, and this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. I I think one of the main questions that people ask today is, does God really love me? I mean, because what I'm going through, and it just keeps going, and it just keeps going, and it's, it's not, it's disappointment after disappointment, and their hope is crushed. And this is one of our core values. We, we say it every week. We start with that word, hope. We, one of the core values of our church is hope for the heart. We are not people without hope. We endure because, as Paul says, I have a confident hope. I have a confident hope, and it will not disappoint. Amen? This hope that you have, hold on to it. It will not disappoint. He does renew. He does restore. He does resurrect. He does renew our hope. He is a God who keeps his promises. So when we got home, I had uh, one more test of patience. See, when we flew back, we had to get a different airline uh, and cancel the other one. And so when I got home, I had to go online and try to get a refund. Ha, 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 ha. It's always funny when you're not the one, isn't it? It's like, uh, and so I go on their refund page, you know, uh, backslash refund and I put in all my information, and, and it says, uh, your, your flight is still active. And I'm like, my flight is not active. <laughs> so then I, I call a customer service rep, and then she says, oh, here, put in this information. And I do, and it lets me get to the next page. And I'd already, I got her off the phone because I got to the next page. And then it said again, your flight is still active. Please call 877, blah, blah. <gasps> It was 877, lose your patience. That's what it was. So I, I called and, and I got some, but you know, and when you call, if you work in the customer service industry, God bless you. You're dealing with the worst of the worst of us in our worst impossible lowest state of humanity. I mean, we're just, you know, I mean, we're all frustrated in that moment. Nobody's calling to say, just calling to wish you a good day. That's what I was doing. Wanted to be on hold for 65 minutes just to say, you have a good day. That's all I call for. That's the only reason I call. No, you're, it's, it's frustrating. And so sometimes on the other end, the customer service agent, they ain't so kind. I'm like, how did you get in the customer care industry? Because you, you could care less right now, I can tell. <laughs> so that lady transfers me to another lady and she answers the phone, and she is just spunky and nice and kind. And I was like, and I said, um, and we go through, all, she says, Mr. Farnsworth. I said, I love that. You're calling me Mr. Farnsworth. And, and, and we started to have a conversation. She said, I'm going to take care of you. Oh, that's a good feeling. She goes, you just relax. We're going we're gonna to get through this. I just need a little bit of information. And she was so kind and nice and just patient and, and, and just giving. And I said, okay, first of all, what's your name? She says, my name is Debbie. Not Debbie, but Debbie, D-E-V-I. And I said, oh, well, that's a little different than the last lady I talked to because she spells her name D-E-V-I-L. 
Oh, man. I said, Debbie, how in the world are you so kind and, and just you have this spirit about you? And she said, oh. She said, I, I just get up every day and I ask the Lord to give me patience. And I said, Debbie, you just made it into my sermon for Sunday. What if we just got up every day and we just said, God, give me patience. I'm going to see my kids here in a minute, God. Give me patience. Get in your car to drive. God, give me patience. You get to work and, eh, you know, all this stuff you're dealing with. God, give me patience. You're on your campus. Thank God it's summer. Most of you are not. Some of you are in summer school. You're like, God, give me, give me patience. You pull into your driveway and you got that neighbor. <laughs> you got that neighbor. Got that complete stranger. You don't even know him. You may never, ever, ever see them again. God, give me patience. So what you don't realize, and I don't realize many times, is in those moments, especially with complete strangers, where you think, that's not sharing Christ. How's that sharing Christ? I think many times that person, that cashier, that person of customer service, that just that complete stranger that you wave in, you know that, you know that moment you have, that moment where the Holy Spirit <laughs> rushes into you and you actually let somebody merge, you know, where you're like, I was just used by God today. <laughs> and, 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 they, and they give you that wave. What, what you don't realize is there are times, and I've seen this happen in my life uh, countless times, there are times that people are actually asking in that moment, God, do you even care? Do you even see me? Do you even know that I exist? Where are you? Why are you not helping me? You've got to do something. And then you come in and you display patience. Do people see Christ in your crisis? 